Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and we help you win at the game of business and marketing. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, our small business owners, our local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others create and build their businesses. And on the other hand, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to tune in and learn more about how you can grow your business while you have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. We have well over 120 episodes. Make sure to subscribe to get fresh content every single week. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Today, we have a topic that I have been wanting to do on Business Creators Radio Show for a long time now. And we have conducted a search looking for the greatest person available who can share this information with us. So the title is going to be putting soul into your business. Is there a difference between how your clients trust you and how they trust your business? As you're coming up and you're growing your business and you move from solopreneur to entrepreneur, you move from being just a a one person show and moving into a leveraged business or what have you, or depending on the size of your business, there's that discussion and that back and forth of whether you should brand the company more as an organization or more through your own personal brand. And like many stark yes or no questions, my answer is it depends. And what we're going to do here today is we're going to help you determine what's going to work best for your business because it is very true that there are different levels of trust assigned to the individual, that meaning you, who's listening today, versus how your business organization is trusted. I've seen some very fortunate situations. I've also seen some some unfortunate situations where the individual was trusted, but their organization wasn't. Or somebody thought that somebody had a great company, but they just didn't trust the person running it. I've seen it go both ways. And what we're going to do here is help you sort through that and find your way to a better place. And to help us do that, we have Sue Rumack, who is the sole coach who helps small business owners Put the soul back into their business so it becomes magnetic to success. Just to tell you a little bit more about Sue, she's been an entrepreneur for over four decades, has built her own successful businesses, and is in the, and in the process has redefined herself and her business identity more than once. She has helped professionals in career transition to create powerful new identities to build success on top of success, even when the starting place is a little scary. Sue was an entrepreneur for 25 years before joining Bell Canada, where she won the President's Award for Outstanding Customer Service. She saved a multi-million dollar account from switching services. She became an accredited life coach in 2007, which is almost 10 years ago, and has been helping small business owners and others to rebuild successful, purposeful, empowered lives ever since. Sue is an author, speaker, coach, and friend who changes lives and you can learn more about her at pulseofawakening.com, among other websites. And she's going to have something for you at the end here as well. So, Sue, welcome aboard. Thank you so much, Adam. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. 
Right, right, right. Now, I just read off your very impressive bio, which makes me wonder whether I'm even worthy to be on my own radio show here because <laughs> I'm standing in the presence of greatness. Uh, but what I'd like to do is, before we dive into what we're doing today, uh, the first thing I want to ask is, uh, you know, it's clear you have quite a record of accomplishment and you have a lot to be very proud and stake one heck of a reputation on. But tell us just a little bit about what has passionately driven you to the point where you are today. You know, it's funny. Um, several years ago, I did a little exercise, and it was all about um, who I wanted to be in life. And the question was, what did I want to be when I was six years old? A long time ago. And when I sat down and thought about it, I honestly couldn't think what it was specifically. I didn't want to be a nurse or a teacher or an artist or, or any of those things specifically when I was six years old. But what I noticed was that I wanted to be extraordinary, I wanted everything I did to have that touch of magic, of being extraordinary. And that was because my dad was an inventor, my mom was an artist, both of my grandmothers were (laughs) very well-established entrepreneurs in their own businesses back in the day when women didn't do that. So for me, the driving thing for me was to create the extraordinary. I see what you mean, and i got to tell you, that's one heck of a background. On a personal note, I probably know less about what I want to be when I grow up now than I did when I was six years old myself. Uh, when I was uh, about <laughs> eight, nine, ten years old, I was pretty dead set on uh, becoming an attorney, and the reason for that was not so much a love of the law, but because I somehow gave my convinced myself that all of our presidents here in the United States had been attorneys, and I wanted to be president too. I took one seminar in college taught by an actual attorney telling about the real world of what happens in the practice of law, and I decided I had no time for that. Just, you know, there are people who are built for it. I just wasn't one of them. So I went and got an MBA instead. And then later I happily found out right around the time that I started my MBA program that the United States elected a president who had an MBA. So I'm thinking, all right, career change, perfect, it worked. All right. So <laughs> you still got you've got still got president in the running for you. Yes, yes, it's it's still possible. And with all these entrepreneurs and business executives that are jumping into the race here now down here in the United States, I know that uh, there's room for entrepreneurs now too. So it seems like the dream keeps following me, and maybe one day I'll just look back and grab it. Who knows? Anything's possible. Absolutely, you are extraordinary. Well, we all are in our own way. So thank you. Uh, now there's one You're more welcome. question. We need to ask you before we dive in here, and our listeners who tune in every week, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, know what's coming. So we'll do the little drum roll in the background here. And my cat's getting all excited. She's sitting right next to me. Here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that we share except for time and money. This is the question we ask every expert who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? That's a really good question. Time is as much time as you want to put into it. Money, it doesn't cost you anything to spend time thinking about how you build trust for yourself and your business and how you build trust for your clients. If you decide that you want to take it further and work with a mentor of some kind or a coach, then yes, you are going to spend money. But again, that is within your control. So to do this work for yourself, by yourself, costs nothing but time and commitment. 
that's very interesting. And as I said, everybody comes up with a, a different definition of it. And I love what you say. I believe, if I'm saying it correctly, money doesn't cost you anything. Money doesn't cost you anything? Is that what you said? No, time. Well, oh, no, time I didn't say money doesn't cost you anything. It's the time that you put into it. You're taking that time away from some other activity, right. which could cost you money. Right. But what you learn about yourself in the process is going to make you so much more. Oh, okay. Well, you're absolutely right about that. So let's dive in here. We're going to be talking about the difference between how your clients trust you and how they trust your business. So a lot of our listeners, as we mentioned, are the do-it-yourselfers, like to have their own hands on the levers as they market and grow their businesses. That's a significant part of our audience. And we also have the folks who have moved beyond that and now have organizations backing them and are really just trying to find out the right balance between their own personal brand and emphasizing that they're the leader of a company or the head of a movement. So if the sole proprietor is the face of the business, is it possible to sell that business for a profit in the future? It depends on how they've structured their business. Right. Yes, it is possible. In my experience years ago, for a 25-year business, my husband and I started it when we were in our very early 20s and retired from it when we were in our mid-40s because of various reasons, um, not just economic. But we made the signature error of becoming the business. We were the face of the business. And after 25 years of, of blood, sweat, and tears, we couldn't sell it. It had no monetary value other than the furniture. <laughs> the client list believed only in us and couldn't transfer that allegiance to another person. So we structured our business monet to monetize it in the wrong way because we didn't know any better. Now we know better. I know better. Right. Now there are those. So, that now, there, there's a, those are going to argue that it is the personality that, in fact, sells, and that it is possible to have a saleable asset of a business, something that has teams and employees and procedures and an existing client base, and still be the public face of the business. Uh, what happens? Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Entirely. Right, 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 right. So this will kind of lead into where we're going next, but uh, let's say that, for instance, uh, you know, I, as the head of the Business Creators Institute, which is something that we're in the process of relaunching right now and taking out to the world, uh, it's going to be more of an institute where it's going to ultimately have uh, a larger organization behind it. It's going to have coaching programs and trainings and all sorts of things that don't rely on my own daily involvement. I mean, I'll, I'll still be involved with coaching clients to a degree, but we're going to be expanding the coaching staff at some point. We're going to have products that have been recorded, so it's not like I have to keep doing them. They're done. Uh, in order to market this thing, uh, there's a lot of trust that people place in me that's going to drive our initial growth. I already know this based on the projections that are sitting at my desk right in front of me. But at some point, I might want to sell the Business Creators Institute and do something else, or I might want to, uh, or I might want to retire off the Business Creators Institute, so to speak, sell it to, uh, sell it to somebody maybe on a financing plan, or sell it and have them hire me as a consultant to it uh, for the transitional purpose or something along those lines. So, what have you what have you seen happen to businesses where it was a recognizable organization and was not solopreneurial, but the marketing was driven heavily by a human being, and then that human being sells? Well, what you're talking about is a specific business model. Right. Anybody who starts a business creates a vision 
a vision statement for the business, an identity, a personality for the business, a branding for the business. Solopreneurs, when they first begin, and entrepreneurs, when they first begin, put all of their stock and trade in their own personality to attract, magnetize, be the charisma of the business. And at the very and this is this is what you have just discovered, Adam, is that if you want to monetize your business in the future, if you want a sellable legacy, you have to create um, an, a business that has its entire identity separate from yours, other than you being the driving force behind it. So what you're actually talking about here is creating a brand identity for your business as you grow the business. You can do this with any business, even a long-term business that is identified to the, the sole proprietor. You can go back and rebrand it. You can relaunch it in a new way. It just takes longer. So would you like to know the steps of doing this? Sure. Okay. So number one, when you, be, when you start to create that sole business, a sole proprietor, and entrepreneur. Let's start at the very beginning, not where you are, but for the, the people who are just starting. Okay? So what you need to do is to look at yourself first. What is it that you want in that business? What do you want to do in the business? How do you want to uh, apportion your time into the business? How much of your own face, your, your identity, do you want to be identified with the business? Are you the driving force behind it, or are you it? Make sense? Yes. That's your place in the business. You're the driver. The second thing that you need to do is to truly design personality for the business that is separate and identifiable from your identity. And you do that by creating the values, the ethics, and the moral spine of that business. And that's where the soul of the business comes into play. People can't trust an entity without soul. Because we are soul beings. That's the spiritual side of it. But the other piece is you can't trust something that you can't identify with from a personal point of view. Right. Make sense? Okay. So the question I would ask your, your listeners for themselves is, if your business was a person, would you want it to be your best friend? Would you want that business to become your best friend? Aha. Uh-huh. That's a new way of thinking that has not been shown to me, at least not until now. So if you, your business had its own personality, would you want that business to be your best friend or your BFF, as the kids say today? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Because if, if your business can be your best friend, it's going to become the best friend to your employees who sell the business for you. Hello. They are your front face out there. Right. So are your joint venturists. So are your affiliates. So are your investors. So that business that you now are, are designing, this is even before anything, it's on paper. You're designing it, and you're giving it a personality that is going to become a best friend to your employees, your investors, all of the working people in your business, and a best friend to your clients. It's, your clients are going to turn to your business for, for their needs. They're going to trust it as if it was their BFF. Wow. That, that, that is Powerful revelation. stuff. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, <laughs> because I want to kind of stay on this topic a little bit, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in the original plan, if that's okay with you. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the soul of a business. So if you could tell me what is the soul of a business 
and how you create that magnetism and attraction to your business where your business becomes your BFF, so to speak, that makes you so unique in the marketplace? Well, I would call it signature energy of the business. Okay, so the signature energy of the business is made up of four components, four core components. There is you, which is uh, an, an underlay in the business, not an overlay, but an underlay. Then there are the people that work for you because they are the face of your business. If you don't choose people that resonate with your moral, morals, backgrounds, ethics, they are sending out mixed signals to your clients, and they're also confusing the brand when people talk to them. Right. So that's, that's the second piece. That's your employees. The third part is your business itself, its personality. And then this, the last part is the client. So that's the signature energy of the business. It's four core, four core components. Sure. But if you think about signature energy, now here's the answer to your question. It's what unconsciously radiates out into the world. And it is read like an open book by everyone that comes into contact with it. Right, right, right. So is there a difference since we're talking about how people perceive you and how they perceive your business, how they perceive it and how they trust it? Is there a difference between how your clients trust you versus how they trust your business? I think it depends on the business. So say, for example, you're in a wellness, <clears throat> in a, excuse me, in a wellness business. Sure. Perhaps you are a trainer or a massage therapist or one of those helping industries. You really are the face of your business because of the personality you bring to it, the physical touch that you bring to it. However, your business needs to radiate its own personality. So the business is going to deliver certain values beyond what you deliver. Sure. It's going to deliver health, it's going to deliver wellness, it's going to deliver confidence, it's going to deliver trust, it's going to deliver um, a lifestyle change, it's going to deliver a future life for the client, a, a transformation of some kind for the client. It isn't that you do that, it's that the components of your business, however they access those components, do that for them. You're the driver. You could sell that business to a like-minded new proprietor and have them take over the whole concept of the business and still consider, continue selling the services of the business that don't change the value that they deliver to the client. Right. Does, right. does that make sense? It's, yeah, and it's so, kind of a fine line, but yes. It's a very fine line that, that um, a, a sole proprietor wor- or an entrepreneur walks until they get really comfortable with it. So as a proprietor the creator, the designer of that business. Now, you're bringing the energy that's going to drive the business. You're bringing uh, the marketing strategies. You're bringing the, um, the environment. You're bringing the locations. You're bringing the staff. You're bringing all of the components together that makes that, that new child that you're giving birth to its own entity. And if you're able to separate your ego from taking on the, um, the glow of the business and allow the business to glow, you're able to keep the two separate. Right. Yeah, this is a very fine line. And one of the things I love about having you on the show here is in some ways you, you like me, will take something that 
has been presented is a very simple yes or no question and start with, well, it depends and put out a lot of variables. Uh, for instance, when people approach this question, when we talk about business coaching or the traditional version we frequently see out there, and the question is, should you be the brand or should your business be the brand? There are people who come very strongly and say, no, it's got to be you because they're investing in you. And there are others that say, well, what do you want to be seen as just some hamster on the wheel? No, no, no. You've got to brand the business. But in reality, as you're showing us, it's really not anywhere near that cut and dried. So I urge all of our listeners today, uh, whether you're listening live on Business Creators Radio Show or you're checking this out on the iTunes podcast, to think about where your line currently is in the business, how much of you is in there, because this will affect the saleability of your business ultimately. The reason why uh, we're making changes to our business here in 2016 uh, with the Business Creators Institute and emphasizing that more than the other brands is because I'm very interested in a saleable asset at some point. I'd like to spend several years in this thing and build something really great, but I'd ultimately like to start another business and another and another and another. And I think a lot of our listeners are in the same boat, so I feel perfectly fine saying that. So let's say that, on the other hand, somebody told you that you really need to build a business that doesn't include you. So you can't be branding yourself because people don't want to be seeing some solopreneur or hamster on the wheel. They need to see a business. So what does it take to build a business personality that excludes the owner's personality? You have to ask yourself some really serious questions before you even begin to think about building your brand. And it has to do with what you want from the business. You're going to be putting stuff into it, but what do you want back for yourself? Is it money? Is it fame, recognition? Or is it ego in need of recognition? So you're going to ask yourself, why am I creating this business in the first place? And what do I need to get back from the business that's not just money? Right. Okay? And what do I need to get back from my clientele that's not just money? So this is all about you and your soul and the soul piece that you're going to put into the business. How much of me, personally, my expectations, my, my passion, my energy, my, my fears, am I going to put into this business to make it work? What do I need back to make the payment worthwhile that's not just money? Right. Okay? So that's, that's the person. And if you're going to build a, person, a business personality um, that excludes your personality, you have to have a vision of what the business will deliver to its clients. That's number one. Um, and how the business, not the owner, will impact its marketplace. And that's not clients. That's marketplace. Okay? Who's your competition? How is it going to impact your competition? Is there going to be a separation between creator and creation? You have to decide that. You're playing God here. Right. So is there going to be a separation between you and your creation? Right. Critical eye. Okay, you need a critical eye and distance from your product and service. So that may not be just you. You might need to call in very critical people to look at what you're doing and assess whether or not you're creating the separation that you intend to in order to monetize it and create that sellable legacy 15 years down the road, 10 years, 5 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the last one? Okay. And the last piece is awareness of the ego driving visibility within the business. How visible do you want to be to your clientele? That is you can a still big work one. In, you, can, mm-hmm. yeah. you can still work in your business, but do you have to be the, the big it or 
talk to me about that, Adam. <laughs> yeah, do do we have to be the big the big yet? And that is something that I know that many of our listeners struggle with. To what extent do they have to be the big it? And if you're asking me personally, uh, in, in terms of what we're doing at the Business Creators Institute, I'm looking for that to be more of a movement than an ego trip for myself. So as time goes on, um, I'd like to potentially see a bit less of myself being the big it. Right now, as we go through what we're doing here, at least for the first half of 2016, that's likely to be the case. Because after all, this is the collated 14 years of my experience all being brought together to serve business creators and help them win at the game of business and marketing. But as we move beyond that, I'd like to expand our reach even further and cover more areas where we can serve our business creators as we continue to grow and as they continue to grow. And it gets to the point where it's going to be beyond my own capabilities in the sense of there only being so many hours in the day. Uh, one of the challenges that a lot of people have is, you know, they're in their business so much that their business can't grow any further because there's only so much of them to go around. And outsourcing isn't as simple as hiring somebody and saying, hey, do this. Well, you know what? There is a certain benefit to throwing yourself in mind, body, spirit, and soul into your business at the very beginning. Yeah. But the thing is, whether or not you are doing it to create um, an alter ego for yourself that creates validation for your existence or whether or not you're creating a service or a product that's going to benefit your clientele, and how much of you are you prepared to invest. Now, there's an ROI that's involved in here, a return on investment. And if you are the hamster on the wheel, the one that you identified earlier, Adam, what's going to happen is that you're going to burn out, and most entrepreneurs, sole proprietors, burn out around the five-year point. And that's where they all of a sudden become scared that they can't continue their business or they uh-huh. decide to remain the hamster on the wheel and be that identifying face of the business, allowing it to drive them because it serves their ego in some way to be that martyred business owner. Right. But that doesn't mean they're not making money. It doesn't mean they're not making money. They could be making tons of money, but at the same time, they're spending every every cent of energy that they've got on the business, which means how does that affect their personal life, their their purpose for being in the world, their ability to enjoy life and, and be with their families and do what they want to do, that having started the business was part of the reason in the first place. Does that make sense? You know, there's that old joke out there that entrepreneurs are the type of crazy people that will work 80 hours a week to avoid taking a 40-hour-a-week job. I've got to tell you, I worked seven years straight, seven days a week without ever taking a holiday. Right. Is that a little crazy? It's a little crazy. Yeah, I you're reading from my diary. You're, read, you're, reading from my, you're reading from my diary, and, uh, and, I, and, I recognized, uh-huh. and I recognized in 2015 that we really needed to move beyond that because, I, I mean, I don't, um, I don't need validation from a business in the sense that I don't exist without my business. Uh, my, my pleasure in having a business and being an entrepreneur and having things like the Business Creators Institute is seeing the results that it gains for our clients, really. Uh, I mean, my ego is invested in seeing other people's businesses just light up and seeing their dreams come true and having these very difficult things they were struggling with getting reduced to a very simple solution that in many cases was right in front of them, but they needed help seeing it. Boy, do exactly. I get a kick out of and, that. And, we, yeah, when we do our coaching with um, with uh, people who are struggling to get their website launched, 
Uh, I mean, you have a few websites, don't you? I do have a few websites, and believe me, the first few, I struggled like crazy. <laughs> it made me insane, and I would cry over them in 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 the in the quiet of my own little house. I don't do that anymore. I, I have a pretty good sense of how to do what I need to do and can put a website together pretty quickly now. Right. But that's after 10 years of struggling. So, I mean, it looks easy now, but it sure wasn't at the beginning. And when I'm coaching people around business soul, I mean, I've taken I, – I, I took a chiropractor – I loved her dearly. I took a chiropractor who had been working in two other chiropractic practices, renting – renting her, her chair, so to speak, um, from a place of not really knowing who she was or being motivated and wanting to be motivated to grow her own practice more. Uh, today she owns her own wellness clinic and discovered that for her, her most, important, um, her most important value in life was to be involved in doing something that had some risk and adventure involved. And so she began making her decisions, not based on how risky they were, but whether or not there was a sense of adventure and maybe a small element of risk. A year ago, um, her life changed dramatically, and um, she had to make a decision as to whether or not to go out on her own. And within a period of one month and a whole bunch of coaching, she threw caution to the wind, rented space, opened her clinic, and she's making more money today than she ever has. But she's doing that based on what she learned about herself in the coaching process and making decisions from a very, not just from her gut, but from her heart, her spirit, her soul, and from that need for a sense of risk and adventure in a small, sustained way. So she learned about the soul that she brought as the entrepreneur and the soul of her business. And she created her business around the soul of the business, not around herself. She is one cog in the wheel. She is the driver of it. But she also has a number of wellness practitioners working in her practice. So she completely redefined over the past four or five years how she presented herself to the world. And she said she's, she is making more money, working fewer hours. She's a brand-new baby. And uh, she's only working, I think, like three and a half days a week. <laughs> so, right, yeah. So... Mm-hmm. And so the business is not running her, but she is enjoying it and loving what she's doing and still has time for her whole life. And that's the benefit of understanding what you bring um, from, the soul, from the soul point of view of yourself and your business. And if you don't know how to do it, find a coach who does. Take the time, make the investment, because it's a front-end loaded investment that will pay off in buckets of money down the road and enjoyment and life purpose being fulfilled and all the rest of that that stuff i just talked a whole lot (laughs) you know you know i get uh, very passionate can you tell our 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 listeners uh some of whom have been with us for i mean we're in the third year of business creators radio show our uh three-year anniversary is coming up here real shortly as a matter of fact know that we basically have three different types of interviews I i mean forget about topics and and subject matter and all that but there are really three different types one is where we have a guest who is so exuberant and so passionate that i basically say hi And we get through 40 minutes, and I say, you know, I'd like to actually ask a question here at some point, but thank you for doing the whole interview by yourself with all your passion and your ability to just get this out there. You gave us all the content, and I didn't have to ask you a question. That was great. Thank you. But now let me ask you a question. There's that type. 
Then there's a type where the answers come through kind of short, and we end up bringing in some listener questions, and I come up with some other things on my own that weren't in the original program, so we can fill the hour. That's just the reality of things. And then we get interviews like this one. And, they, and I really love these types because they do sometimes start out kind of slow and kind of matter-of-fact, but usually right around the halfway point, this slow burn just combusts with this field of passionate energy like we just saw. And that, yep. <laughs> I, I, lo- I, love, I love when that happens. It's like, it's like working with a coaching or consulting client, and you see them work through to get to their solution, and when they get it, and that everything just opens up and the light shines through, it's like magic. Well, that's what happens in most, most of my coaching sessions. Right. Is we, run them as, we run them as short sessions, usually, about 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, they're very directed, very guided, but the passion that explodes somewhere around the 20-minute point is insane. And that's where they get their greatest learning. That's the part they go back to in the recordings and the replays of the sessions. And that's what they put in their archive for their, for their own business mentoring, their self-business mentoring coming out of the sessions. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. I, 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 how can I say this? Um, I conduct sessions very differently from most coaches. And I, I really do draw on the inner life of, of the client, yes. of the person being coached. We find exactly what it is that they need to speak to about that day and put it into context of their business in that moment so they can move forward with a tool or a solution when they get off the phone. And we're not talking about dry technique or a toolbox full of tools, which they end up with anyway. But the point is they're working with live material that is in the moment what they need to have answered, and they can take that piece forward to the next, the next session a week and a half or two weeks later yeah. and build on it. So there's a lot of forward motion. And when you're putting soul into your business, at the very, very beginning, you have so many pieces moving pieces with legs and feet and fingers that need to be addressed so that you understand them. Um, They're going to go their own directions, but if you don't understand them, then you're kind of lost. So that's what the soul coaching of a business really is all about, is to help you identify those pieces at the beginning. And at the five- to seven-year point in any business, every owner kind kind of gets lost in the track of where their business is at and needs to do kind of a reconnaissance mission, to go back into it, figure out what it was that they wanted to do, where they're sitting with it now, and where they want to move forward to, and then create the solutions that move them forward. And that is also part of the coaching. It's part of the coaching that you do, Adam, and it's part of the coaching that I do. So it's a pretty exciting process. Well, this is where I was going next. Five to seven years into a new business, how does the owner get the mojo back? Because, (laughs) I, I mean, I've looked at this myself, and there are a lot of people that have been entrepreneurs for my entire entrepreneurial journey, which is now in its 14th year. And I have seen almost all of these entrepreneurs have changed companies at least twice. They've changed brands at least twice. In many cases, they've changed what they do 
at least twice. Uh, I'm about to enter the fifth iteration of my business and very proud to say that as a matter of fact because I view that as being in tune with what the market needs and how we can best help our business creators win at the game of business and marketing. But, you know, five to seven years, things are getting routine. Uh, the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, it's not so much revolutionary anymore. How is the owner going to get their mojo back? Well, um, actually, it's, it, it's funny. I'm working with a 60-year-old millionaire man, client, male client, um, who has been through a few different um, identity rebuilds over his long business lifetime. And he came to me because he felt he'd lost his mojo. And he wanted to find that identity. Who was he now that he had sold his business and he was on a new track and um, it felt different from the other times that he'd reinvented himself. So what we started off with looking at was his, his life, his, his values and his strengths and his morals. And we discovered that they, they hadn't changed. From day one when he was 17 year old, years old to 60 years old, his morals and values had not changed. His identity of his strengths, however, had. Right. So I think that when a person is, is trying to redefine their mojo, by the way, he, he is redefining it beautifully. <laughs> um, and he, he's coming up with some amazing things. But when, when you are in that space, it's time to take a step back. Your business is going to continue ticking over if you set it up correctly and give you some space to do some of that work. And so what you're going to have to do is step back a little bit. You've created um, a business treadmill accidentally um, and out of your passion, and you need to take that time to redefine your personal identity. Of, allow, of, of looking at how you've allowed your business to drive your life slowly over that past seven years. How has it taken right. over your identity? Which pieces of your identity do you want to claim back? How important is it to you to claim it back? Are you loving being driven by your business? If you love being driven by your business and your business is succeeding, there's nothing wrong with staying there if that's what you want. But if that's not what you want, now you have to do a little bit of work. So you have to redefine, are my values the same? Have they changed? Has there been an epiphany of some kind in my personal life that means that now I would like to change my personal direction? If that's the case, what, what direction is that? How does that speak to my values? What strengths do I currently have? Which strengths do I need to improve on to make this thing happen? Is there a timeline? Are there other people I want to bring in? How do I want to expand? Uh-huh. Um, so you need to take a look at all of that. You need, if you need, to to breathe differently inside of your business and live differently inside of your business, then you have to look at the the child that you have created in its infancy, and now it's into preschool or it's into elementary school. It's going to be moving on to adolescence. Do you want to have it in control of you, or do you want to be in control of that that teenager business that you've developed? You have to decide what you want, and then you have to create, recreate, redefine, put passion where passion belongs, and you sometimes need help to do that. At the seven-year point, you can't see your way clearly um, through what you've created because you are in the middle of it. It's like, it's like you know how you have the, those little seed pods in the middle of an apple? Yep. Well, you're the seed pod. The apple has been growing around you. It started off as a tiny little flower, and now those seeds are in the center of a pretty, pretty solid apple. And you have to decide whether or not you're going to 
take a slice out of that apple, a little let a little bit of air in, and think, are, are things going to change? That's your decision. So how do you do that? You look at what your business looks like now, how independent of you it is, how independent you are of it. Yeah. Um, if it's, if it's um, an elementary school child, we're talking children here, how do, you wanna, how do you want it to be when it's a teenager? What do you have to do to get it there? So you begin creating new strategies, redefinitions. Is it going to be a rocker kid? Is it going to be the studious kid? Is it going to be the religious kid? What kind of kid is it going to be? So you need to start setting things in motion that are going to create that direction and putting that identity out to your employees. Your employees play, play, play a big part in this at this five- to seven-year point because you've, you've created one um, business environment landscape and um, personality that they've gotten used to. Now, if you try to change that personality, you need their buy-in. Because if you don't have their buy-in, they're going to try and sabotage you because they don't like change. They like knowing where they're at. They don't want to be challenged to learn something new. So the first thing you have to do is once you've got your identity in hand and know what you want to do, you have to start introducing that in a way to the people that work for you and get their buy-in, get them excited about it, get them involved in it, get them learning new things so about your business so that they can sell that new image to your clientele. Right. And as soon as they get excited, then your clientele begins to go, wow, this business is really growing. Look at how exciting it is. I really want to be part of this. So your clients get that rejuvenation as well. It isn't just you. It isn't just your business. It's your employees, your investors, your joint ventures, your affiliates. Um, and when you can show your investors that you are growing a business, that it's not turning into this stale thing, then you've got that interest maybe three, five years down the road and a track record that says this business is viable. It's sellable. It's got a legacy. And it doesn't have to do with the owner. I can buy this business. I can run it because, now get this, you have to create a manual for how your business identity looks, the changes that you're going to make. It's a roadmap. It's a roadmap for anybody that has to take over your business. God forbid you should have an accident and be unable to run your business. And a relative, a friend, a coworker, an employee, a new owner has to step in and run that business. If there is no working manual, live document on how to run your business, your business is going to fail very fast. And the legacy that you worked so hard to create is gone. Wow. Makes sense? <laughs> yeah, and, and and this is an audio radio show, but if people could see what I was doing, it was like I was just pointing your way saying, come on, come on, say it, keep going. Yep, it's like uh, it's one of those slow burners. Once we got it going, holy mackerel! Now, 20 minutes ago, I asked a question, and I'd like to and I'd like to explore this just a little bit further. And there was a reason why I asked it because we were talking about the epiphany of the coaching and consulting client when they get it. And the reason I asked about have you ever created a website of your own? Let me rephrase the question: uh, Have you always built your own websites, or have you hired others to build them for you? Ah, good question. Um, in the beginning, I hired other people to, to build my websites, but I was not very good at explaining to them 
the identity of the business I was trying to build. (laughs) And my identity came across as fuzzy because I wasn't sure who I was in that business. So 10 years ago, I had other people attempting to build websites that are still available on the web. Right. They're still there. But they don't, if you go back and look at them, and they're there because a lot of what I offer, I still offer then, I still offer now. Sure. And um, my, my picture has changed. <laughs> I look a little older because I stopped dyeing my hair. Anyway, um, the point being was that I didn't have my identity clear enough that they could take my descriptions and create the websites spoke exactly to what I wanted people to understand about what what my business delivered. It was about what I delivered. So over the course of the 10 years, I, del- I learned a lot. Um, the past few years, I've actually been using um, website builders. I'm not going to name names because that, that's not a nice thing to do on your, business, on your show. Right. But I've been using uh, professional website builders that I can go in and manage myself. Okay. And so I've been building my own websites. Right. Um, they may not be perfect. They may not. They may may not hit all of the flags that you're supposed to hit, but I feel that they answer the identity that I'm trying to deliver to potential clients, to my ideal client. Um, I imagine if I were to ask you privately to take a look at mine, and you would tell me everything that I did wrong, but that's fine um, because we aren't perfect. Have I answered your question? Uh, actually, you kind of took me, you got me where I was hoping you would go, but not in, down the path that I was expecting you to take, which is, which is just perfectly fine. Now, you mentioned that you used to hire other folks to do this, and the challenge you had was conveying to them the message, the brand, the meaning of what you're doing, right? Exactly. Now, I used to own a web development company. Between 2006 and 2010, I owned a company like that that basically built websites, and we had so many love fest type conversations. Signed the agreement, handed over the deposit, and everybody is swearing on their dead grandmother's grave that by golly, this website's going to be live in six weeks because everybody's on the same page. The plan is in place, and we're going to get this done. Uh, fast forward six months. Uh, they are asking me for the 19th time this week if they're ever going to see their website live and how much they regret ever hiring us. And I'm saying, okay, for the 23rd time, how about this content you keep threatening to send? I uh, can't launch a website without content. And that opened up a door for me. And I recognized that to, quote, unquote, build a website is not really in itself a business goal. It's, it's, it's a tool. And I love how you use your websites as tools. You're not as much worried about are they, quote, unquote, perfect or are they quote-unquote done by professionals you're interested in do they convey the meaning and the brand of what you're doing and do they attract the prospects and customers you're looking to attract is that a fair statement perfect statement and i and and trying to figure out how to solve that conundrum that i just described to you i had other friends who were web designers and i also spoke with some of the designers who worked for our company because i myself am not a web designer and have never been a web designer contrary to what people used to think back when i used to dress up as a doctor and jump up on stage uh, which was one of my previous brands actually and uh, i don't know how to draw a roller with a straight line i don't even know how to say that phrase correctly so i don't know website design <laughs> i know how to look at, i know how to look at a website and tell you why it is or is not likely 
to support your conversion goals and show you how to fix it and get you great results. But coming up with something from scratch, like color swatches and things along those lines, I don't have that artistic kind of soul to me. My, my approach is more of a where do we get the money type approach, and that's needed at a certain phase of it. So I looked at, you know, because we had some projects that went extremely well, and some of the clients of that firm are still clients of my current business. They came with me and have been with me for the journey as my business has evolved, and we've been able to serve them in new and more exciting ways. And I also looked at some of the projects that went on forever and I was so happy when those sites got done because it meant I would never have to speak to those clients again. And unfortunately, the feeling was mutual, not because of any human being's fault. And I spoke with several designers, and they all told me they had the same problems. And it all seemed to boil down to the same thing in almost every case. Um, you defined it as conveying the meaning, message, mission, what have you. Uh, the, the term that we throw around is content. Creating a design is well, I'll easy. Well, tell you something. Yeah. It's not. It's not just the con. I'm sorry to jump in here, but it's not yeah. just the content. Right. It is. It is that the person knows who they are, what they bring, uh, that's of value, and they know what it is that their business brings that is of value, and they know the personality of the business. If they don't know those things about themselves and their business, they can't create the content. All they can do is sell the product. Which is what we cover here at at, uh, at the Business Creators Institute. Uh, you know, my former brand was. Help my website sell.com, which is now my exclusive private brand, but you know, we're really the Business Creators Institute now. We have a, a content coaching module where we explore pretty much exactly what you said, plus a couple of other things. Because the big hang-up with so many of these projects that you know, everybody swore on their dead grandmother's grave this thing's going to be live in four weeks, and then six months later everybody hates everybody, and the designer yeah. is, would love to just give the money back and everything else. Exactly. It's because that was my story. Yeah, because exactly that yeah. was my story. And then, you but said, it wasn't. It wasn't entirely their fault. It right. was mine. Well, uh, so, you, you can you can you can take the blame all you want, um, but uh, it's, <laughs> but but here's but here's what it was happening, and I think we're actually saying very similar things, just with different words and analogies. Is it would come down to that same thing. Uh, you know, I experienced it. Other design firm owners and web designers that I knew experienced the same thing as well, and. It was a client wants to know when this freaking site's going to go live that they regret investing in in the first place. And the designer says, you know what, I've kind of had it with how many times I've had to ask them for content. And so you get the good clients, and almost all clients are good. Uh, and, and in fact, it was one of my own clients who we were having the same struggle with that gave me the idea for how we help our business creators with their, with their content development is um, – I, he, would say, he would keep saying, well, when's my site going to be live? When's my site going to be live? I said, I need the content. He said, well, didn't I pay you to write the content? And I said, no, look at your agreement and look at the bullet point that specifically says that's entirely your responsibility. And he said, okay, well. well that, com that comes down. Right, that exactly. Comes down to, that comes down to what people hear and how they hear it. Right. And that's the hardest part. Right. So that is the hardest part. Right. So then, so then he asked me how much, he, um, how much uh, he would need to pay me to write his content. And I gave him a number that was probably outside the budget of 90% of the people walking around on the street today, <laughs> because I really had no clue with this guy. And looking back at it retrospectively, I recognize it's because he was struggling with some of the same things that you were struggling with. Um, the mission, the message, what it is they want to put into it. And I just don't think he really knew that. Because what he said to me is, you know, I keep, I keep clearing my Sunday afternoons, and I keep opening Microsoft Word, and I keep trying to type this, and it's like, 
you know, it's like, think, think, think. What, what, what was that thing I was thinking about in the grocery store the other day? I need to get it on paper. I need my website. And then he said to me, uh, and I said to him, well, you know, chances are you actually do have the content. You just need somebody to help you see it right in front of you. And he said, oh, yeah, that's probably right. Um, how much for that? I gave him a number, and we did the session the next day, and a week later his site was live. Because exactly. in that and that's session, exactly what we we're talking about here. Through. We broke through and we found out why is he doing this? What is his vision? I mean, mm-hmm. Why are we even in this project? What does he need a website for? Who is he serving? How is he serving him? Why is he serving him? Once we answered those questions, and this is something I say when I promote the, the content coaching, is that 85 to 90% of the content you already have. You just need me to suck it out of you. That's how we well, do it. Well, sounds like you do that. That's how we do it. And so when I see those epiphanies, and you can just, even though it's a, even though it's a, it's a telephone call, you can see their eyes lighting up like they get it, and 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 and, and the energy is flowing through their fingertips like wow, and, and they get all, and you know, I, I I hear their their decibels and their excitement raising like you're hearing in me right now. Like, I can hear your passion, that's for sure, Adam. Wow. <laughs> well, you and I are equally matched on passion. Yeah. How cool is that? When I, when I get fired up about something, because there's a lot of things I don't care about. There are things that people spend half the day on. Um, this has been, this has been a, a, a trait of my personality ever since I was a youngin' in the world. Is uh, uh, you know, like I can remember verbatim conversations that happened 15, 20 years ago with people I haven't seen in almost 15 or 20 years. But um, if you ask me what I had for breakfast, I don't know. Even though I have well, the same, because you weren't passionate about your breakfast. Even even though I'm passionate about something else. Even though it's the same thing every day. Now, part of it is I view food as fuel to drive me. I don't view it as really as an experience in and of itself. That's the first piece. The second piece is I just don't clutter my mind with stuff like that. I keep my mind open for other things. Uh, it's like it's also like my my wardrobe. You hear a lot of stories of very successful people uh i'll I'll use mark zuckerberg as an example you know how mark zuckerberg always wears that same t-shirt and that same pair of jeans those same sneakers every day and when it's cold he puts on the same hoodie Mm -hmm. he has 10 of those pairs of jeans 20 of those uh, t-shirts and 10 of those hoodies the reason being is that way he doesn't have to think about what he's wearing today so he can spend more of his time helping the world there you go um i'm i'm like i'm like that strategy right Everybody has a strategy, and as a coach, that's one of the, especially as a soul coach of a business, of a person, that's one of those things that I, I do for people. I teach people vision success strategies, entrepreneurship for the beginners, four selling languages. People don't even know that there are four selling languages. I'm so passionate about them, but there are, and if you don't know what they are, you can't connect with your prospective clients. I teach people how to design business signature energy, how to manage the overwhelm of being a business owner, how to decode the inner critic, the piece that holds you back, the self-sabotage that's in the middle of all of that. And I teach people how to set goal-setting strategies that, in a way that has never, ever been taught before. And it is successful, and it's fast. So I guess you could call me a business soul mentor. Yes. In and- a way. And, and, you know, it's very interesting as we originally started our hour here together, which we're near the top of, unfortunately, because I could go mm-hmm. on all day. I know. It's about um, just that difference between how your clients trust you and how they trust your business. And what I wanted everybody to see today, and this is the reason we ended up 
going in the direction we did with this interview is it's so much more than just the answer to the question, well, do I want to be the brand or do I want my business to be the brand? I wrote an article about this years ago where I, where I speculated on how history would be different if Donald Trump had branded his companies as the Trump Organization rather than putting his own personality in front of it. And I, and I wrote this whole thing about how like things throughout history probably would have changed because of that is uh, kind of a very out there, uh, very prominent example of the power of a personal brand. Uh, on, and uh, and when you look at that now, especially in our contemporary climate where he's on everybody's mind every day throughout the world all day long, uh, it takes on a new poignancy. But leaving aside whoever we're talking about, whether it's Trump or, or Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or whoever, uh, there is that balance between what part of it is you and part of, what part of it is your organization. But I want you to, if you've listened to this live, subscribe to the iTunes channel. It should be up within 24 hours. Go back and listen to it and play this through again because we went through so many different factors and areas of passion you need to consider when you decide where the soul is in your business and where the trust is belongs, whether it's with you or with your business, and how you're building a saleable asset. So, Sue Rumack, first of all, thank you so much for being with us today. And what I'd like to do is turn over the floor to you for just a moment. And I think you said you had something for us? I do, and I'm so excited about it. Um, anybody who is listening to this uh, presentation, this interview, I would love to be able to offer you um, more information on how to bring more soul into your business. And if you go to, um, write this down, and I think it's going to be on the website as well, isn't it, Adam? Yep. Um, write this down, bit.ly forward slash 1-Q-E-U-Y-R-J. And what that is going to do, it's going to take you to a page where you can sign up for more information, uh, free information, on the VIP Business Soul Mentor. And I will be doing podcasts and um, issuing them out to those people who have signed up for the information at fairly regular intervals with more information on things like the four selling languages, decoding your inner critic, managing overwhelm, and designing your business signature energy. I would love to have the opportunity to interact with all of you uh, in, a, in a more meaningful way. And I want to thank Adam for offering me this opportunity to put myself in front of you. Okay. Adam, it's been so much fun. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Now, we syndicate Business Creators Radio Show through a lot of different outlets. Um, I mean, we have more listeners than I can probably count because so, we just have it running through RSS feeds and such. So who knows who's listening to this when, truth be told. They may not be on businesscreatorsradioshow.com where your profile is going to list this link. So let me just make sure I got it right. It's bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash one Q-E- U Y R J. Did I get that right? Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Absolutely perfect. Awesome. Well, again, uh, Sue, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. <laughs> thank you, Adam. I hope we'll talk again soon. Great. Absolutely. So we have uh, Sue Rumack of uh, Pulse of Awakening. I want to thank you very much for being here. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And as I said, find us and sign up on iTunes. 
and we will deliver great content that helps you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great